Thanks for joining us. The following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church to impact the world. He serves as lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for our gathering. Thank you for the focus of the prophetic gift and ministry. We acknowledge tonight it is not the only gift, and it is not the only thing that we desire, but it is something important. The word, your word talks about it. And so I pray tonight, Holy Spirit, that you would teach us, but more importantly, I pray that you would release the gift of prophecy in our midst, that we would see the fruit of the gifts of the Spirit That's what we want, not just to know about it, but we want to function in the prophetic gift and ministry. And so I pray that we would see that more and more in the days ahead, just because we talked about it through your word. So use this gathering for your glory and that specifically we would hear from you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're wrapping up a series on the gift and ministry of prophecy, talking about developing a prophetic church. And... um, I want to remind you of the goal of 12 weeks, and that goal is that all of us would prophesy. That may not have been your goal. If you've hung out with me for 12 weeks, then you understand. I've said this again and again. I believe unequivocally that everyone can prophesy, everyone that is born again, everyone that is spirit baptized, according to Acts chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I believe all can prophesy prophesy, but all do not know they can prophesy. All have not discovered that they can prophesy. However, as we walk through the Word, we see what it says, and then we ask the Lord to do it in us. So we've been doing that, and I want to remind you of that stated goal. I remember when I was traveling and teaching on the prophetic, and this was before I started doing seminars and conferences, before I had written my books, I would get invited, and I still do. I get invited to churches, and they often want me to come and minister prophetically. I'm sure they don't mind me preaching. Go ahead and preach, Ben, but we want you to pray for people. We want you to stir up the gift of prophecy. We want you to minister. We want you to hear from the Lord. We want you to come, and and we want that in our church. And so I've been to many, many churches, uh, more than I can remember for sure. Sometimes I'll drive by and go, yeah, I've I've preached there before. (laughs) It's just kind of a funny thing when that's a your history, but sort of like connect after service, as I mentioned that. It's back there somewhere. All right. But I remember going to these churches, and the pressure was on to minister, and I love to minister prophetically. Whatever God gives me, I'll share. You don't make it up. You just share what he gives to you, right? That's just awesome. And we've just talked about how the fruit of prophecy is so powerful. It makes you hungry for God because God knows everything. And when God speaks, something dynamic happens. Faith rises in the room. All of a sudden, the God that we know about becomes real to us because he knows the hairs on our head, he knows our past, he knows our present, he knows our future, and we know that a human being could not possibly know some of the things that sometimes we get to say that are from the Lord. So it astonishes us, causes us to encounter the reality of the living God. So we love that. I love that. I love traveling around ministering, and that was great. I love it here more. (laughs) That's the flat-out truth. I'm thankful that we get to develop a church that is aiming towards becoming an evangelistic church, a prophetic church, a church built on the Word, a church that reaches all nations, a church that makes disciples. I mean, that's 
my heart in a city that makes a dent in the city. The city's going to know who we are in the days ahead. I mean, if I have anything to say about it, and if you have anything to say about it, that's a fact. Because we want them to know Jesus. So we're tenacious in his purpose. But I remember like, man, on a good night, I could maybe, if I really exhausted myself, I could probably minister to about 30 people. And that was like hours. I mean, that was like, whew. And there were a few days where, man, you know, it was hours and hours, and I'd get through a lot more than that. There was almost this promise. And I've actually shown up at a church before, and I know this is just me talking about me for a minute, sorry. But I have shown up at a church before, and they promised everybody that wanted a word would get a word. I've actually heard pastors say that. I'm like, oh my gosh, man, why would you do that? And then I left. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, I just said, God loves you. That's John 3, 16. The Lord knows you. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. No, it's not funny. But of all the people in the world, you're one of them, the Lord says. I mean, you get to a point where you're like, I'm not going to fulfill your quota, right? You just give what the Lord gives you. But I realized real quickly on a good night, I could maybe share 30 words. That was like killing myself if, and just praying for hours. But I realized, man, there's like 300 people in this room, right? So what would happen if I could train 10 people to give 30 words over a period of time? Do the math. 100%. Now, if there's a room full of 300 people and I give 30 words, that's 10%. 10% of the people can receive from the Holy Spirit as we learn to minister because of one person. But listen, if I can train 10 people to give 30 words, if I can train 30 people to give 10 words, if I can train 300 people to give one word, oh my gosh, what if you could train 300 people to give five words a year? You know what that's called? Exponential. That's where the ministry of the Spirit leaves the building. That's what we long for. The only way that the ministry leaves the building is when we get equipped. That's it. Outside of that, it's just good meetings and goosebumps, and we're looking for somebody else to do it for us or say it to us. And let me just tell you, there are times of refreshing that come from the Lord, and thank God that he gives us words, and thank God that we have teachers, and thank God that we have the anointing in this room, and we can sharpen and encourage each other. Thank God for that. But what we're looking for as spirit-baptized people is to be raised up and equipped and useful for every good work in his hands. That's why this is important. I don't just want to tell you stories, although I like to tell stories. It sort of justifies the last 10 years of my life. But I believe that exponential growth in and through the church, where the ministry of the Spirit flows like rivers of living water, is because a mindset shift happens in us. I'm here to drink, I'm here to receive, and I'm here to fill up my cup for someone else. See, your expectation when we come here, when we come online, it matters. What we expect while we're sitting, what we expect while we're reading, what we expect while we're praying, that is part of the way that we think. Our mindset matters. Your mindset, my mindset, when we approach what we're even doing here tonight, it matters. Did we come to be filled? Did we come to be encouraged? Did we come because we have to? Did we come because we, we get to? Did we come because we want to get our cup filled up and bring that to somebody else? Did we want to have the fire and the passion of the Lord stirred in our hearts? And did we desire, Lord, I want to take it outside of the building. 
and I don't know yet what it takes, and maybe I haven't done that yet, but that is what I want. I want this thing to go far beyond this building. Because if anything is true, I've got to take more of you to all the places that I go. And so whether it's prophecy or evangelism or hospitality or word of knowledge or word of wisdom, whatever it is that God is giving, we want it, but we want more of it so we can give more of it away. It's the mindset. It's the shift of our mindset that has got to happen. It's got to happen. Because I don't even want just all of us to receive and be equipped so we can minister. I also want us to equip others. Exponential. Exponential. That's the ministry. The ministry is meant to be passed on from one to another. And I love environments like this because it's like James chapter 1, verse 22 through 25. Do not be hearers of the word only, but be ye doers. You see, I threw in King James language. Be ye doers. That ye is so important. Doers of the word, not hearers only. Deceiving yourselves. Man, it's easy to get deceived, isn't it? It's easy to get deceived. He defines self-deception by a person that hears a lot and doesn't do much at all. That's deception. Self-deception. Actually, it's the strongest deception that we could be under because it's something that's in ourselves. The external source is not necessary anymore because I think, right? It's a armor of pride. I think that I'm somewhere that I'm not. I think that I'm more spiritual than I am. I think that I'm at a higher place than I truly am. It's a self-deception. I think something about myself because I know things that aren't actually operative in my life. And when you think that your knowledge equals your spirituality, it is a type of deception that paralyzes you. I could be crippled with fear completely in every opportunity that God is highlighting in my life. I could be utterly and completely paralyzed in fear, and yet I think that I am available to the Lord for every good work. Friends, you don't have to be me and I don't have to be you, but you've got to be the spirit-filled version of you. Whatever that means and whatever that looks like, the Lord leads us, but we can't have fear We should have more fear of what happens if we don't become more and more out loud with our faith and all that God gives us. And I love the prophetic gift. It's one of those tools in the toolbox that the Lord has given us to bring him glory and to show that he is, in fact, alive. I don't want a few gifted people. I want the whole church trained to hear God's voice. Developing a prophetic church means that we move the gift of prophecy from a novelty to normalcy. like that. That's good. I only get so many of those. You bet, you know. All right. You're rolling with me. Here are a few things that I think are going to help us to get to be a prophetic church. And it isn't to discount what we are, and it isn't to discount what we have or what we have experienced, but it's to say we want to continue and move forward. Number one, build a prophetic team. And this is something that I've done in the past. It doesn't have to be called the prophetic team. It can be a team of intercessors, a a ministry team, a prayer ministry team. We have people that we have at our church and have for years, far before I ever came here, that are ministry team, prayer partners. Pastor Darby oversees our prayer ministries, and so we train people up in prayer, how to hear the voice of the Lord, how to prophesy through that. We have prayer team training, 
And we have those types of things because we want to raise up people among us to identify the prophetic gifts and to utilize them. This is so vital. Number two, we want to empower a prophetic culture. Culture of a church is an environment. It's what you sense when you walk in tonight. What kind of a place is this? Is this a place where we worship and abandon? Is this a place where you can expect to encounter the Lord? Is this a place where the gifts of the Holy Spirit are welcome? Is the hev- are the heavens open here? Or are we not open and available for certain things? You understand what I'm saying? Have we said no to the Lord at some point, whether we think it's a biblical reality or it is just an experiential one? We say, no, Lord, we, uh, <laughs> we've, we've got our plan You know, truthfully, if we're going to have revival in the church, it's going to mess up some of our services. Do you know that? Like, I mean, really, like, if God show up, but not until about 8.45 p.m. And it doesn't have to be a mess either. I'm not suggesting that, but I'm just, man, you you invite the Lord to do some things, and uh, he's going to do some things. Empower a prophetic culture. How do we do that? Number one, we develop prophetic vision. These are statements with scriptures like, we believe that everyone can hear the voice of God, John 10, 27. We believe that every Christian can prophesy, Acts 2, 17 through 21, 1 Corinthians 14, 1. We believe that the prophetic gift strengthens the church, 1 Corinthians 14, 3. We believe that God will give us prophetic direction as we pray, Acts chapter 13 and verse 1 through 3. We're a church like Antioch. We're not a church that just wants prophetic words just to have them, but we realize when prophetic words are being given, it could actually send out missionaries. I so desire for our church to be not like this flashy, showy church. If you say, Ben, what's your vision? What do you see? What has the Lord shown you for this church? You know what I see? I I see a church that feels kind of international, kind of otherly, kind of YWAM-ish, but not. You understand, like, we're not the lights, camera, action, flashy, showy, although we do some, you know, give credit to where credit is due, but we're not that. You know, I don't know the day that smoke starts to come out of this place. You might, you might wonder if we're actually on fire. But I want it to be kind of otherly. You understand, like, you come and, and kids are sitting in the back and they never know if they're going to get called out with a word from the Lord. Some kid could show up, Mom. You want to go, mom? What'd you say? Nothing. I want to be here. I'd like to have a bookstore, and Susan's got candy, so I'll get that after the service. And then all of a sudden, young man, and that young man can get called out. Didn't even want to be here. How many times was I at church over the time when I was in high school? Didn't love God, didn't know Jesus, didn't want to be there, and bam! God would meet me, and I would rush out of that place so quick because I was not giving my life to the Lord. But I remember that stuff. That's a prophetic church where we empower a culture. It's normal, and it's not weird. It's not strange. It's not TV-ish. You know, it's, it's what we are. It's who we are. It's normal. It's not some novelty, yea, I say unto thee. It's somebody just bumps you and says, hey, I know I don't know you, but... Man, I've had this sense the whole time. You mind if I share this with you? No? I'm going to do it anyways, all right? (laughs) Somebody could be up in the balcony and just get a word from the Lord about going to the nations. That's the kind of church I want this to be. It's not about me and not even entirely about you or us, but it's about the Lord. Acts chapter 13. 
The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Paul and Barnabas for the work to which I have called them. In a moment, in the middle of worship and prayer, Holy Spirit was ministering. This is a great time right here to tell you guys, get packing. Oh my gosh. That's what I love. I want to be a church like Antioch. It's an otherly church. It's, it's, there's a sense there that you never know what's going to happen. Amen? We've got to have a prophetic culture for that. That's why we want a prophetic culture. We want to hear from the Lord. Let him direct us. Let him guide us. Number two, implement prophetic training. We're doing that. Welcome to the club. Recommend reading. I've got two books. You can have both of them for free. Number three, we encourage a prophetic release. Look what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6. He said, For this reason I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. Impartation. You know, I know sometimes that impartation can seem so cheap, right? It's like everybody come through the fire tunnel. Bam, bam, bam. I don't know, man. I don't know about all that, you know? I mean, maybe. But I'll tell you, impartation's not cheap when you're committing yourself to be a son or daughter of the house, and you've surrendered your heart to the Lord. I'll do whatever you say. I'll go wherever you want me to go. And your hunger is taking you to the word day in and day out, and then you're sitting there, and an elder comes and just lays their hand on you like Paul did to Timothy, and Timothy took over for the church there in Ephesus. And he reminded him to not be timid. And he said, remember when I laid my hands on you? I want you to kindle afresh the gift that was given to you when I put my hands on you. That was no joke, Tim. When I put my hands on you, God did something that I cannot do. Man cannot give you what God gives to you. And I want you to stir that up in yourself. Because God put something in you and it's time that you be reminded. We've got to encourage prophetic release. We've got to remind that's each other, that we have the Holy Spirit. That's why it's important to hear the same thing again and again and again. Rivers of living water, John 7, 37. And he spoke of the Holy Spirit, that rivers of living water would flow out of your innermost being. You know, rivers, wherever they go, they bring life. I want rivers of life to flow out of your innermost being. And this he spoke of the Holy Spirit. We encourage prophetic release. It's important to us. It's not the most important thing. Salvation, the miracle of the transformed heart, being reborn unto Jesus, that's the most important thing. But along the way, he gives us these tools to minister to one another. So we encourage a prophetic release, and it's so important for us to do that. We do it in a healthy way. Number four, we celebrate prophetic fulfillment. When we hear a word from the Lord... And we see something come to pass, guess what we got to do? We got to testify, <laughs> right? We got to testify. We've got to remind each other what God said and what God did. We don't just want these sugar pill prophetic words. Hey, you're the best person I've ever seen before, says God. I call them sugar pill prophecies. The only thing you want is another one. You know, it's like you just eat it and it's gone. What did he say? I don't know. It was awesome, though. Yeah, because he said you were great. Who doesn't line up for that? We have such a deficiency of encouragement. Who doesn't want to be encouraged a little bit, right? 
I mean, we should just call it what it is. It's encouragement. Sometimes prophecy is encouragement, edification, exhortation, and comfort. These are the three attributes of New Testament prophecy, but that's not all that it is. We've talked about this many, many times. Remember, three months already we've gone through this, but it's really important for us to realize that if we really are seeking a word from the Lord, it may not be the thing that we initially want to hear. But we want to celebrate the fulfillment of those words. I told you I stood up here February 9th and I gave a prophetic word to our church and I had no idea what it meant. And then the Lord told me one time in prayer, he said, go back to your journal. I went back to my journal and I saw February 9th and what I wrote, February 9th, it's in this. And I looked back at it and I realized, oh my gosh, I had no clue what the Lord was giving me for our church. And that's been the word of the Lord, the word rebuild. Not because we're devastated, but because what we were, quite frankly, as far as an infrastructure is concerned, we're not that anymore. We're not. God is rebuilding us, and that's his word. And so I say it to you all the time in an annoying way. Why? Because it's his, I believe it's his word to us. And you're going to hear me say it because it's not my word. I didn't make it up. I didn't think it up or make it up. I didn't, it's not a strategy. I've got none. My strategy is I prayed. The Lord led me, directed me, showed me something, and I share it with his people. And I'm going to annoy his people to the point where it's like, yeah, they're going to start saying it to everybody. God's rebuilding our church right now. You're just going to be out there getting donuts and coffee next week. Yeah, the Lord's rebuilding our church. Isn't that awesome? We get to be a part of that. Yeah. I mean, I'm only putting one brick in because that's all we can do. But God's rebuilding his church. We want to celebrate prophetic fulfillment. The Lord spoke. And the Lord is bringing it to pass. We've got to testify. Another thing we've got to do, and that's, I'm just talking to you right there about empowering a prophetic culture. But another categorical point is we have to preserve the prophetic ministry. Now, this is important. I shared a little bit about this, and I'm not going to go long here. We've got to preserve the prophetic ministry. In order to preserve the prophetic ministry, there is a process of discerning and weighing words. You might remember this passage when Paul spoke to the church at Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19, he said this as he admonished them. He said, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances. You know what that word despise means? It means to consider them worthless. Do not consider prophecy worthless, but examine everything carefully, hold fast, to that which is good. Notice when he says examine everything carefully, he is saying in order to hold fast to that which is good. That which is good is from the Lord. That which is not good is not from the Lord. The purpose of discernment is in order to get the good. It's like crushing the grape. You're doing it for the juice, not for the stuff you throw away. You crush the grape, you get the juice, you throw the other away. That's what he's saying. Examine the words carefully and hold fast to the juice. That's what we're looking for. What of this word is from God? Because there can be mixture, or at least um, sometimes there is. The church here at Thessalonica had come through many things. They had people, prophets, namely, running through the church saying that Jesus had returned. They gave people a false hope, a false expectation, and you know what they did as a result of that? They despised prophecy. They were tired of people that were so-called prophets. Don't speak to me anymore about your prophetic words. In fact, theologically, they moved to a place where these things no longer exist. Doesn't that sound like something we've talked about before? Cessationism. 
And there are many churches that subscribe to this, and I'm not judging those churches. In fact, maybe some of those churches deserve compassion because they've seen all these so-called prophets and this false prophecy, and they just got tired of it. I can understand that. And so the, the church at Thessalonia, or Thessalonica, they, they were done. And so he admonishes them, don't quench the Holy Spirit. How do you quench the Holy Spirit? Despise prophesying. That's one of the ways that you quench the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit wants to flow, and you stop that flow by considering what he does worthless. We despise prophesying. And he says, don't hinder what the Spirit of God wants to do. This is not worthless. Even though people have abused it, misused it, people have mishandled it, people were imperfect, as it were, that is not what the gift of God is all about. They are not Jesus, and they are not the Bible, and do not allow them to stop you from receiving and ministering in what God has given you. So he admonishes them, and he tells them the goal of testing a prophetic word is to actually receive what God is saying, and it's important. The Thessalonian church needed to hear this, but the Corinthian church was very different, weren't they? They were not the same church. Paul did not have to tell them, don't despise prophesying. In fact, he said something entirely different to them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he talks to them about, you can have all the gifts. You can prophesy. You can minister. You can speak in tongues. The tongues of men and of angels, but have not love. You are nothing. You're just a loud, clanging gong and cymbal. You're nothing. You're false spirituality that has no depth, no substance, no love. Nothing behind it is nothing. And they had this flamboyant way where they were loud and proud. It was all about them. It was all about speaking loudly to one another in tongues. It was all about prophesying, brother this, sister that, so-and-so, whatever, and they loved everybody to know. It was all about looking powerful, looking spiritual. And Paul said, That's, you're not, if you don't have love behind what you're doing, you're nothing. What you're doing is nothing. And so then in 1 Corinthians 14, he explains to them, like you would to children. He says to them, this is what I want you to do in handling prophecy. Verse 29, two or three prophets should speak and others should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop, for you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. In other words, we're meant to discern what is being said because ultimately we're looking for the voice of the Lord. God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. What did he do? Was he giving this because he was saying that every church needs to adhere to these rules? No. He was telling a church that was mishandling and misusing gifts of the Spirit, namely prophecy, was telling them that you guys need to go back to the simplest of things. Do not put your hand on the stove when it's hot. Burn. That's what he's doing. He's saying two of you are sitting and one of you is speaking, and if while you're speaking one gets a word, then they can share. He gave them very specific boundaries on how to use the gifts of the Spirit because they were so immature. It's, it's like when you get... Legos too early for your young boy. <laughs> I'm supposed to build something with them, not throw them at my face. <laughs> not throw them out in the hallway. So when you step on them in the middle of the night and all of a sudden you, you learn very quickly what pain is. Right thing, used the wrong way. Can you say amen? amen. 
Paul needed to provoke the Thessalonian church. He needed to prune the Corinthian church, but the goal was to preserve the prophetic ministry. So I say this to you. We need to have a discerning process, okay? How do we do, how do we weigh prophetic words? Number one, prophetic words should be recorded if possible. If somebody gives you an actual word from the Lord, let's treat it like it could be from the Lord. So let's try to record it if we can. We've got all these devices. I, as I traveled around, people would stick their phone in my face so often. It's like, do you mind if I record this? It's like it's already being recorded. You want me to say no on the recording? <laughs> it's terrible. How's that going to work? But let's record it. If it's from the Lord, we can consider it. We can weigh it further. Number two, prophetic words should be understood. We ask questions to clarify. If you don't understand what somebody's saying, wait till they're done with the word and then ask him, hey, this one part, what did you mean by that? Sometimes we have this off-limits, anointing kind of relationship with another person, like the man or woman of God. You can't ask them a question. No, you should be able to ask anybody a question. Somebody has a word. They're not off-limits, okay? I don't buy into this idea that the man or woman of God can't be disturbed. Forget that. Number three, prophetic words should be scriptural. It must not contradict the word. It does not always have to have a Bible passage attached, but words from the Lord are rooted in the scriptures. And let me just tell you, if you study the scriptures, if you spend time in the scriptures, the eternal truth of God, prophetic words will flow from that root system. And those words, those scriptures, those words will be like root systems. I remember the first time somebody ever prophesied Psalm 27, 13 over my life. I've never forgotten it, you know. I've never forgotten it. I would have fainted had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. This word was given to me, I don't know how many years ago, but it was a scripture, and it was the word of the Lord for me. And it's, it's, it was like a root system that went so deep, you couldn't take it out if you wanted to. It's powerful. I contend over that word. It was a word from the Lord, but there was more to the prophecy, and it was related to that root. So it doesn't contradict the word, but where there's a passage, let's seek to connect if we can. Number four, prophetic words should be congruent. Does it flow with what you know? It's happening tonight. There it is. It's free. Does it flow? Is it congruent with what you've already heard? Like if somebody just calls you out on something and says, the Lord is saying, and it's something you have just like, I mean, it's like Jupiter and you're on earth. You know what I'm saying? Like that happens. Now, I'm not saying that you will always know that it is congruent because there are times where God will give you a word that opens a door into a new possibility. That does happen. It's more rare when it happens, though, okay? But it does happen. So we've got to have this sense of, like, congruency, like, does that grind or does that flow? Does it fit or does it seem to, like, you have to force that thing in, square peg in a round hole? Does it fit or not? Number five, prophetic words should be confirmed. If it is from the Lord, God will confirm it. His desire is for you and I to hear. His desire is for you and I to hear, not to hear through another person only. That is the new covenant. Jesus speaks to our hearts. If a prophecy is from the Lord, he will confirm it. He wants to confirm it. I believe that with all my heart because he wants direct connection. In fact, through the Holy Spirit, we have direct connection. Number six, prophetic words should be accountable. Invite people into discernment when necessary if you really think that there's a sense of confusion or potential. It's really important. Every now and again, somebody will ask me what I think about a word that 
a person gave to them. And honestly, I'm just going to shoot straight. I always do, but I'm shooting pretty straight on this one. Every now and again, somebody tells me a word that someone gave them, and I say, that's not a word from God. I I mean, it's a nice word. Sounds great, but that does not fit you. I mean, I can tell right away. You say, Pastor Ben, how do you know? I don't know. I just know. I I mean, I get enough of these to sometimes, and I don't say that in an easy way. I don't say that simply. I don't, it's not a lighthearted thing for me when I'm, oh, that's not from God. That's not, I don't flow like that. But there are times where a person will give me this word and I'm like, that to me, that to me is not from the Lord. And, uh, and it, whether it's scriptural, the reason I say that is because it just simply doesn't line up with scripture. It isn't clear for them on and on, right? I'll have people give me words that they've received years ago and they're just so confusing. And I'm like, look, God is not trying to give you a cosmic puzzle for you to figure out for the rest of your life. He does not want you to carry this for 10 years to try to do this. He wants you to preach the gospel, make disciples, (laughs) read the word of God, pray like your life depends on it. He wants you to walk in the spirit, be connected to the local church. 10 years is too long. Come on, somebody. Waiting for my purpose. The word tells you what your purpose is. We don't got to wait no more. Now, sometimes the Lord will guide you into something. Hey, amen. The Lord does that. He's done that to a lot of us. But he does not want us to sit on the bench while we figure it out. That's evidence of confusion. That's evidence of confusion. When we know what is in front of us, sometimes we seek something that is not in front of us, and usually it's not for us. Number seven, prophetic words should be reviewed. I have a journal. I write words down. I have several of these. You've seen, if you've been around here for the 15 months that I've been here, you've seen me come up with several of these. They just keep getting filled up. That's what happens. I got to get another one. And so I record these words from the Lord. And man, it is amazing. When you look back, the ones that stick, the ones that are from him, they come back. They come back. So I want to be a steward of what I believe the Lord is giving. How do you do that? This is just a practical way to do that. All right, last thing I want to talk to you about is protecting the prophetic integrity. We're talking about developing a prophetic church. We want to build a team as, as we do this together. We want to empower a culture where it's normal. We want to preserve the prophetic ministry. I just talked to you about how to weigh prophetic words. That is very healthy. But the last thing I want to share with you before I end and we just move to a time of Q&A is we've got to protect the prophetic integrity. What I mean is that things can get strange if they go unchecked. Everything needs to have checks and balances. Everything needs accountability. Everything needs discernment. Everything is on the table in the church. We minister to one another. We hear the Lord together. One time I was in a church service, and this was years ago. Bridget, I don't remember if you remember this. A long time ago. And there's a person that was like right back there where you are just back a ways and we're worshiping, and all of a sudden, this lady, I'm sorry that it's a lady, could have been a guy, it was a lady. All right, so this lady, she starts to do the yea, I say unto thee thing. You know, she came from a church where that was what you did. When the worship kind of just one lull, when the, when the music went low, that was your opportunity. So if your heart was doing this, that must mean God's got some word that he wants to flow out from you. Or it could just mean that you're nervous and you're not the public communicator type. I don't, I don't know. But this person just, yay, I say unto thee. And they're just like belting out this word, right? I'm going to be really honest with you. I have no idea what they said. I was in row like two or three, and they're way back. I can't, I can't hear a thing that they're saying. And it was like the 
musician, the worship leader had to get a little lower, and everybody was trying to hear and understand, and, and the lower the music got, the more people got attentive and started to listen. Honestly, it wasn't much that she was saying. I mean, it was, it, it was confusing at best and strange at worst. It was just not really from the Lord. It was from some style. Now, you can have a style. You can say, yea, I say unto thee, and then it's from the Lord, and you use King James language. God does, I mean, God will use anything. I'm not suggesting that that isn't the Lord. But this person was just belting out, and it was super confusing. What was really great was the pastor grabs the microphone, and he listened to it for about 10, 12 seconds, which in my opinion was a long period of time, he walks up to the front and the music kind of goes really low and the woman stopped. He kind of waited. She stopped. And then he said, hey, thank you for having the courage to share out in front of everybody else, but that is not something that we do at our church. Prophetic words need to be shared from the front where we introduce your name. We know who you are and because we, we're a big church and we have you share in front of everybody so that we can receive the word, and we can listen intently because we consider a word from the Lord an event, an event. It's a moment. It's a holy moment. If it's from the Lord, we want to hear it. And then it taught me. I remember like every now and again where I'm praying for people and they start shaking and twitching and flipping and they, ah, you know, they start doing like this. I say, stop. I'm not wasting my word right now. You start twitching, flipping, and falling. No, I'll put you in a chair, all right? We're going to do this the right way. I want you to hear what I'm saying. I'm not wasting my words. I am talking to you, and I am listening to God. All right? You can fall down afterwards. I don't care what you do after that, but I'm not wasting my words on something. <laughs> Hearing from the Lord is an event. It's a prophetic moment. Do you, you know what I'm saying? If, how many people have said to me, hey, Pastor Ben, remember last week when I gave you a prophetic word? I'm like, no. I don't, that was last week. I don't even remember what I had for breakfast this morning. Oh my gosh. No, I don't. <laughs> Not a walking memory bank. You know, that's why we've got to consider how we minister. Okay? It's really, really vital. Now, if God's knocking people down and, and powers in the room, hey, we're not going to, nobody's going to stop the Lord, but don't help him out. You know what I mean? Don't start shaking in advance. I told you this one time I was praying for, I was praying for hours. See, I feel like I need to say this stuff because I'm that guy that will pray for hours. So I'm going to say it, all right? So I'm, I'm standing up there, I'm praying for people, and this one guy walks up to me, he smiles, and he goes, I'm going to manifest. And I go, look at him and I said, don't. Why would you say that to me? Do you say that to the cashier at Walmart before you take out your wallet? I'm, I'm going to manifest. It's like, sir, I just want 10 bucks. I just want to, I don't know, call an ambulance. Are you, is everything fine, sir? Because, I mean, do you turn that thing on? Do you turn that thing off? Does your spouse know you do this? I mean, is this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, she knows I do it. That's why she left. <laughs> You're going to do that thing. Oh, my gosh, you know. I'm sorry. That's stupid. I'm, I'm a dork. All right. Now, again, manifestations happen. I've had things happen that I can't explain. The Lord moves in power. Some of you are like, Ben, but. No, no, I, I know. God moves in power. Let him move in power. Amen? I just don't think we need to help him out. That's all. He doesn't need our help. If it's power, it is power. It's power. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've put my hand on someone, turned my head, and they're gone. They're poof. People hitting chairs, bouncing off floors. You know that wasn't them. 
I'm not falling over smashing a chair and bouncing off the floor. That was the Lord. I don't understand all that, to be honest with you. Why is he talking about this? I don't know. I don't understand all that, but you don't have to make that stuff happen. I don't even know why anybody wants to. All right, so in this church service, the pastor says, thank you for the courage. We don't do that. He explains the protocol, okay? Here is the interesting thing. In that moment, I knew, I knew that the people that had just witnessed a proper and kind correction all thought that it was unnecessary. Now, I want you to follow me on this. I could feel it. I could, I could sense it. I mean, it was in the room. It was like, why did Pastor somebody get up and correct Sister Courage? Why did he do that? Was it really necessary? It was. Because if you want a culture of prophecy where it's normal, there has to be instruction. People have to understand how it works. Because there are two different things that happen. Number one is you have a free-for-all environment. And let me just tell you where that goes. Somewhere will never go. I've ministered at plenty of churches like that. And you just walk around and you're going like, wow, they just, they just don't care about what happens here. And when you do that, people will come into the church that do not have, they, they don't have a grasp on scripture and theology. They might be letting all kinds of things in. Heck, I don't know what people are doing when they go home. They might be all, all kinds of stuff they're connected to, false teachings and other spirits. And all of a sudden, a free-for-all, you think it's all the Holy Spirit because people got a smile. And I've learned that there are demonic tongues just like there are Holy Spirit tongues. I've seen it all. I remember watching some guy shake on the floor speaking tongues and everybody was excited. I'm like, that's not the Holy Spirit. That is a demonic tongue. And they're like, really? I'm like, yes. See, the discernment is necessary. When you open to the Holy Spirit to protect or to preserve the prophetic integrity, we've got to have correction. But I remember in that moment, what happened was that pastor looked like he was doing something wrong and you could feel it. But when you don't correct things, they end up just going down a path and you end up saying, I don't like this, but the problem is that you end up down that path because we were unwilling to correct it in the process. So what I'm saying is, is that we don't have to make people feel bad when they get corrected. It doesn't have to be harsh, but it has to be clear. We have to have clear, and I'm not talking about being petty. I'm not talking about being petty. Like, oh, you could have done that better. That's not what I mean. You know, we all goof up words and don't say it perfectly or the right way. We get a little hyped. Sometimes we get a little hyped and redundant. We don't need to correct each other for that. I'm talking about a process, a protocol, a word that clearly wasn't from the Lord or something was improper as to the culture that we're, that we're going after here. It's important that we bring correction to that. Now you say, well, Ben, are you sure? It sounds a little far. Yeah, I'm really sure. Now, on the other side, you let you have a free-for-all environment, that's no good. But if you have an environment where nothing happens because nobody wants to be corrected or nobody wants to share or nobody wants to make a mistake, that's a problem too. And so isn't it interesting? You have on one hand, you've got the Thessalonians, and they don't want to share and they don't want to let anybody share and they don't want prophecy. But then on the other hand, you've got the Corinthians. Does this sound familiar? I mean, we are in a Thessalonian-Corinthian conundrum. And somehow we want to be a Corinthalonian. A Corinthalonian. Come on, so you got to come up with something better than that. A 
Thessalonica. I can't do, man, see, nothing flows. This doesn't flow. But we've got to be somewhere in there where we're seeking the Lord and we want the gifts of the Spirit and we're going to share, but we're also open to feedback because we don't care about us in the process. We want the Lord. We want the Word. We want it to be pure. We want it to get cleaner and clearer. And we want it to be from Him. And if that's all we want, we're going to get more and more of Him. And the Word is going to get sharper and clearer and more accountable. That's what we want. Holy Spirit. Leaders need to lead. Sometimes people don't understand how the correction will fit in with grace, tolerance, and releasing the gifts, but correction would not be harsh if it was normal. Correction would, I remember that pastor corrected that person with grace. He honored their courage. He actually said that took a lot of courage to do that. Thank you. It's not how we do things here. I appreciate it. You sharing that? I know you felt a burden from the Lord. He just, he pastored the moment. And we need more of that. We need more of that. And I believe it doesn't have to just happen there. It can happen here. The reason we've got to talk about it, right? But when things happen, we've got to protect the integrity so that things are not strange, weird. I've got so many stories. I will not go into the stories, but I've shared with you a few over the last three months. I've seen things. I've been a part of things. I've been around things. Heck, sometimes I've even done things. I regret. But the reality is, is that the Lord just wants to bring us to a place where we are spirit-baptized, spirit-filled, and we're flowing, and the gifts are, are open, they're available, and they're fruitful. Fruitful. I just want to see the fruit of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, particularly as we're talking about prophecy. We want to see that more and more. And it's going to happen as we steward it properly and as we continue to make adjustments along the way. Haven't you seen over the years, many of you in the room, you've known the Lord a long time, you've been around Pentecostal and charismatic environments. Haven't you seen where the gifts were flowing and then they died out? How many of you have seen that? Look, at the, look in the room right now. Look at that. They were flowing and then they died out. Part of it is what I'm just talking about right now. You say, man, this is really simple. Actually, this is kind of the deep stuff. It's how we protect what we're doing and where we're going. What, what tends to happen in prophetic environments is it all becomes about the supernatural. It all becomes about the prophetic. It all becomes about that to the extent where it's just like everybody gets super hyped and we're not talking about integrity anymore. We're not talking about substance. We're not talking about love. We're not talking about evangelism. We're not talking about kingdom. We're not talking about church planning. We're not talking about anything else. It's just prophecy, and it's all about this one thing. Protecting and preserving that prophetic integrity is not about making it everything. It's about keeping the main thing the main thing, and when the, the gifts of the Spirit, and as they flow in their proper place, we steward that properly, and it's healthy you know what a healthy family is when you're around one, right? You feel like you ever go to someone's house and you just feel like, man, these guys are healthy. I need to get my act together. I mean, I've never felt that. But you know, you go somewhere and you're like, there's, some, there's health. There's health in this home. The way they do things, I want some of that. I want to be more like that. And it's a beautiful thing. And that's what God wants to do in us. He wants to make us healthier and healthier and healthier, and he will do that. It's not just about processes and protocols, but it's about love. It's about grace. It's about expectation. It's about surrender, and then it's about excellence. Like, as we move together, we adjust one another, and God brings about 
the greatest fruit for his highest glory. That's what we're looking for. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries, please go to our website, igniteglobalministries.org. While there, check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written.